Let's foray into Nevada's wild spaces. This is a half an hour adventure with the Nevada Department of Wildlife. This is Nevada Wild. Here on this Welcome to Nevada Wild, brought to you by the Nevada Department of Wildlife. I'm Ashley Sanchez with Erin Keller, the one and only co-host. And we also have um, Pat Kelly here. He's our fisheries staff specialist, and he oversees all of our um, fish hatcheries around the state. So, Pat, it's good to have you back in here. I think it's been a bit. It has been a bit, but thank you. I'm very happy to be here and talk about our program. We're happy to have you. And the reason, um, I recently went out to Gallagher for the first time. I hate to say because I've been here a few years now. And it was beautiful. It was awesome to see what you guys do out there. And you guys recently f- wrapped up spawning. So I thought this would be a good time to talk about Gallagher and what you guys do out there. No, this is a great time to talk about spawning. Um, we <coughs> did wrap up spawning out at Gallagher Fish Hatchery, but we are going to be firing up spawning up at Marlette Lake, which is another part of our uh, program. Okay. And don't feel Hatcher too bad program. about m- making it out to Gallagher. It's a long ways it, out there. It's a long, <laughs> it's a long haul, but so worth, so worth the drive. Oh my gosh, it's it's like stepping into a whole different world when you walk into the Ruby Valley. It really is. Yep. And there, we actually had a few. Um, stops along the way because there was cows in the road <laughs> so we had to like pause and stop and then we'd drive again so it that's takes a the, while to get out there yeah that's the uh bumper to bumper traffic yeah you know i mean you don't have to wait for uh any uh stop lights but you do have to wait for the cows crossing occasionally sheep crossing occasionally deer crossing so yeah it's a uh, it's a uh, it's a whole different world out there but so amazingly special that uh, and if you haven't been out there to see Ruby Lake, oh my gosh, you're you're missing out. You've yeah, one of the out. gems of Nevada. The absolutely, Ruby absolutely Ruby one of the many gems, but a special, special one for us. Do you know how we got to put a hatchery there? You know, the hatchery came into existence many, many years ago back, I believe it was in the 50s, I think 1953 rings a bell. And you can't quote me on these um, right. dates <laughs> um, because I'm not really quite sure, but it was um, started by the county. And uh, it had run and that way for some time, I believe, somewhere around 20 years or so. Um, I, gosh, I sure like to get some of the older um, folks that used to work out there many, many moons ago that would probably have much, much better information on that than I. But it was started out, like I say, back in the 50s. Um, and then the state was able to procure that station um, back in the 60s. So they just saw a need to have... They, exactly. There was a need, um, particularly for that side of the state, um, to replenish some of our streams and lakes um, with um, with fish. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that was, you know, it was a, a for a perfect spot. Yeah. For, for Cold water. Like Cold water. We've got, you know, it, we don't have to pump water out of the ground like we do um, one of our other facilities, right. which makes it so nice. We don't have to worry about pumps breaking down, although... Um, which we'll go into a little bit more in detail here in a little bit. Um, the hatchery did go through a re- major refurbishment back in 2006, 2007. And um, so we do have to pump, and we are pumping uh, water throughout the hatchery um, itself, but it's not having to pump water directly out of the ground since we're getting them from spring and spring heads. Right. 
And I want to back up a little bit. And so Gallagher, as everyone's probably picked up by now, um, the Gallagher fish hatchery, it's out in the Ruby Valley, kind of in the middle of nowhere. And could you explain why we, what we do there exactly or why we have the hatchery there? Sure. Well, again, um, water is, is king uh, mm-hmm. when it comes to fish hatcheries. Obviously, fish don't do real well without water. Um, and water um, at, on that, you know, on that side of the mountain is exceptionally good. It's clear, it's fresh, it's cold, and which is great for cold water fish drains. Um, and it was an opportunity for the state at that time to you know, be able to get their hands on a facility because we needed that additional number of fish in that, you know, that part of Nevada. Mm-hmm. So basically you use that hatchery to stock. Um, I'm like dumbing it down completely for <laughs> sure. people who no. don't even know what a fish <laughs> no, hatchery absolutely. is. Absolutely. Fish hatcheries basically um, have been around since the 1800s. Um, and they were initially brought about because um, first and foremost, there was um, some overfishing that had been done throughout America. And this was a way to replenish those waters so that sportsmen had an opportunity to catch fish. Um, it was also brought about to help um, take care of some of the issues that we had as far as dams going into rivers and whatnot that kind of cut back on our fish populations. So the federal government came up and devised a program so that um, states could have the ability to get f- financing, funding for such facilities to help enhance those fisheries programs uh, because of dams, hydroelectric diversion structures and things like that. Gotcha. So now so, so now what we do at um, Gallagher as well as Mason as well as Spring Creek and um, you know to a lesser degree Lake Mead Hatchery um, we primarily will raise fish um, from egg um, at Gallagher and Mason Valley. We will raise as I say fish from egg um, and bring them all the way up to stocking size which is typically mm-hmm. nine ten inches um, and then we will take those out, and that that takes anywhere between, I'd say, 11 to 13 months, depending on the strain of rainbow trout that we're producing. Um, we'll put them basically into a truck at that point, and then take them out to all of our waters that, you know, we have an allotment for. Okay, and then um, as far as the actual spawning, um, how does that work exactly? Because that's how you get the eggs in the first place to raise these fish. Absolutely. Let me go back a little bit and talk about why we spawn, um, particularly in the state of Nevada. Beautiful. Or even what spawning means. Spawning is basically the, um, our ability to take fish, both males and females, collect eggs from the females, obviously, and melt from the males. And at that point, combine those two into a, we, we use a stainless steel mixing pan, <laughs> stainless steel mixing bowl, and uh, we basically collect the eggs and the milk and put those two together and we have basically fish. It's the, as simple as simple as you could imagine. It I was going to sim- say, it's crazy what a stainless steel mixing bowl <laughs> could do. It's producing <laughs> all these fish. It is absolutely amazing. It's very, like you said, it's as simple as it can be. Um, but it's something you have to be very careful of as well. I mean, um, there are certain things that we have to be very careful of when we when we spawn eggs. Um, we have to be. We try to make sure that we're very careful with the adult fish because we want to make sure that we have those. Um, next year to use again so we don't have to kill the fish Um, and that's one thing that is a little bit 
hard for some people to understand because with salmon, uh, real salmon, you have to actually strip eggs, and by stripping eggs out of salmon, you have to actually you have to actually strip them by cutting the oh, fish apart gotcha. to strip the eggs out. Right. Whereas with trout, you don't. We have the ability to just go in and basically squeeze the fish, squeeze the eggs completely out of the female, and squeeze the milt out of the male. And in most cases, those fish are good to go for the next year, probably at least five to ten years on wow. down the road. So it's a it's a neat program. It's a neat process. Um, and it's something that uh, has been going on for years and years. I think most um, installations now have it pretty much down pat. It's yeah. been it's been around for like I say since the 1800s, um, and we've pretty much made it. You know, it's it's it, it's perfect. It's, yeah, it's yeah. And, perfect. and I think the uh, the other good point is that the success of those eggs is way higher in the hatchery correct. the viability of those fish that are going to survive correct typically what we'd said before is um, we would suspect maybe two to three percent of fish of eggs in the wild that are deposited by males and females um, are make it mm -hmm. to fruition whereas coming out of the hatchery system you know we're look typically looking at about 60 percent Wow. so it's a it's it's much higher percentage rate. Right, and we uh, get those questions when we have the Marlette Lake spawning where people say, well, why don't you just let them do it naturally? Absolutely. Well, 2% compared to 60-plus percent <laughs> is a big difference when you're looking at stocking the entire it's, state. It's a huge difference. And, you know, <coughs> with the, our state, we're small potatoes compared to most of the other western states. Um, we only have three cold water fish hatcheries and Lake Mead, which now does razorback suckers. Right. Um, so we're we're small potatoes in comparison, but we still do close to a million fish wow. per year going into uh, the waters of the state of Nevada. Yeah, Nevada being one of the driest states or the driest state in the in the in, in the, the union, union, absolutely. I mean, but um, we still have some incredible waters that we get to stock into, and um, gosh, the fishing is just absolutely phenomenal within this state. And I've talked to so many different fishermen over the years, as I've been with this department 19 plus years. And uh, those folks <coughs> that I've spoken Excuse to me. have, you know, are very excited with the quality of fishing that we are able to provide. Yeah, we pull off some pretty amazing stuff. In Absolutely, we pull state. off some amazing stuff. Yeah. That's why it's awesome to see this process, because that's where it really, it's where it all begins. Absolutely. It all begins right there, at, you know, with the stainless steel mixing. Yeah. <laughs> and it does take a lot of work. It's a lot. It's a huge effort to, to pull this off. It's a huge effort, um, and it requires um, a large budget. Mm -hmm. uh, it's, it's not cheap by any means, and that's why, you know, we do collect, you know, fees for licenses and, and whatnot, because it is a, a very expensive venture, um, but uh, very well worth it. Mm -hmm. it. And again, we provide an opportunity to the sportsmen that probably wouldn't be there otherwise. Exactly. So um, you guys wrapped up the spawning at Gallagher. You do it through the winter. Um, how did it go this year? Sure. Um, well, it does go through the winter. Typically, it starts somewhere around the latter part of November okay. and uh, ends up finishing up somewhere about first part of January. Um, and that's because of the Eagle Lake strain rainbow. And that's the time of the year that that particular strain will spawn. Um, this year um, went exceptionally well again. Um, at that facility, we're now housing um, five age classes of Eagle Lake strain 
in our brood station. Um, and that means basically we have five years of brood stock for us to spawn. Um, and the reason um, that we hold those different year age classes is because it seems the older the fish becomes, particularly a female, becomes three and four year olds produce really, really nice eggs. We get really good um, returns on those eggs. They, they look beautiful, they're big, they're hardy. Um, the younger fish, the one-year-olds usually don't produce much in the way of eggs. Two-year-olds do, but they're usually a little bit smaller and they don't do quite as well. So like I say, three, four, five-year-olds, um, those eggs are just perfect. We like to really utilize that those age classes. Um, sometimes we'll, uh, we'll get too many. Mm -hmm. and, and because we do take eggs from, we get our brood stock eggs from Ennis, Montana, which is a national fish hatchery. Um, and they basically provide those eggs to us. They do a bunch of genetics on those eggs so that we make sure that we're not bottlenecking or having brothers and brothers, brothers and sisters basically spawning together because we don't want to have that bottleneck in genetics. We want to keep our genetics as, you know, pristine as we possibly can. So we'll, uh, we'll work through that, through that. We'll get those eggs from Ennis. And like I say, we'll pull in probably more eggs than we really need just to make sure that we have that brood stock. Um, but at that same time, we do collect too many fish at some point. So some of those two, three, four, five-year-olds will get planted out. Right. And we've been doing that over the last several years, and we will continue to do so. So typically you'll see a lot of the four- and five-year-olds going off station and going into some bodies of water for our anglers to catch. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And they're awesome. <laughs> I bet they are. And that is a good – let's pause right there. Hold your thoughts because we'll be right back. All right. We're already done with the first half of the show. You're listening to Nevada Wild. If you enjoy listening to our podcast, leave us a review on iTunes and SoundCloud. For more information on hunting, fishing, boating, and all things wildlife, go to endow.org. Now back to the show. Welcome back to Nevada Wild. Before the break, we were talking all about Gallagher Fish Hatchery located in the Ruby Valley. Um, and we were just during the break, we were saying how you guys only spawn Eagle Lake trout there. Could you explain why that is? Sure. Um, Eagle Lake tra <coughs> trout, Eagle Lake strain rainbow <laughs> trout, basically. I said that wrong. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. Um, uh, have been exceptionally good for our hatchery program. Um, they do very well um, within the hatchery setting. Um, they're hybridized enough where they do well in the hatchery setting, but the biologists also see good return to creel numbers out in the wild. So, and what that means is biologists are out talking to fishermen and they wanna see the types of fish that they are being, uh, that are, you know, being landed. And so they're finding that the Eagle Lake strain does exceptionally well um, to return to creel. So it's kind of, it, it kind of hits all those bases really well for us. It does well in the hatchery setting, um, fairly low disease um, problems with that strain. And the fishermen seem to really like catching them. They're 
a strong swimmer. They fight very well, and they do well, as I say, return to creel. Good to know. And all that thought goes into that, too. Like it you does, guys absolutely. Don't just pick random. No, it does not. <laughs> it, it is very, very thought out. Um, we want to get the best bang for our buck. We want to make sure that what our anglers are spending their money on as far as licenses and whatnot are going to a, a worthy you know, species right. that exactly. they're going to get major benefit from. Yeah, and through the years, we've tried many, many strains of trout. We have. We've gone through the gamut. Um, we've tried many, many strains, and some strains do just as well um, as Eagle Lake, but eagles are easy for us to get our hands on um, right. through Ennis, and again, like I say, do do very well. Do well in the hatchery, do well once we plant them. Correct. And that is one thing. In the hatchery, it's a lot of work to raise these fish and then to have them like have something happen in the truck or anything like that is a big deal. Absolutely. I mean, you want to try to try to, you know, <laughs> curb your bets, make yourself <laughs> right. make make things work <laughs> as well as possible. Um it it's a huge undertaking. It's a lot of time invested. Um we have staff that work extremely hard at raising these fish from from the ground up for our anglers. Um they get a great sense of duty they have you know it, it feels great to be able to raise fish f and be able to put them in a truck and haul them and actually dump them into a water and see those fish hit the water you know it, it's great it's a great feeling and I can say this because I've been there I've worked facilities since their eight 1980s um, not just in Nevada but I also worked in California and was able to do this for many, many years, and I find it exceptionally gratifying. It's a great, great career. That has to be rewarding. It is. It, it's a very rewarding career. Um, all, we have our folks that work at these facilities, but not just work there, they also live there. Um, and since we're speaking about Gallagher Hatchery, it is up in the rubies. Um, it's very remote. Um, when I say remote, <laughs> you're it, not lying. I'm not <laughs> lying. I mean, it, at times these folks do get snowed in and they are not able to leave. Uh, we can't get a, a plow truck up there, basically. And they've been up there for a few days, used to basically be a couple of weeks at some point because wow. they didn't have adequate plow trucks. I'm getting claustrophobic. <laughs> <laughs> but these guys, uh, you know, I mean, they these folks will have families. Um, we have housing available and we expect our folks to live on station because it seems like anytime you have an issue, it's at two o'clock in the morning, right. not at two o'clock in the afternoon. So these folks are there. Um, we have to mount these stations 24 seven. We have alarm systems um, that basically let all of our folks know when we have issues, which do come about all the time from power outages to um, lightning strikes that burn up motors um, to fish, you know, oxygen problems that can crop up for any, any number of reasons. Um, so all this stuff basically has to be continually looked after. And these folks do it and they do a great job. They love it. I mean, they love fish. That's mm -hmm. what they do. That's they, you know, they live for it. Right. And you two both have a history of, you were once one of them living out, yeah. not at Gallagher, yeah. but we, we both, you were at Mason, yep. right? We both, both were at Mason Valley. Mason yeah. Valley out in Arrington, yep. yep. And there's all sorts of things as Pat's rattling off all the things that can go wrong, but there's 
a whole behind the scenes of things you have to do to keep fish alive, mm -hmm. which is, you know, the water has to flow. The water has to be clean. They have to f get fed. And then you have to maintain all the vehicles that the, tr that the fish are being taken out on. And none of that is really the spotlight never gets shined on that. Yeah. No, <laughs> you know, I mean, typically most people will think of a fish hatchery and think fish feeding because I don't know about you, but when I was a I little picture uh, that. <laughs> when I was Sorry, a little kid, you know, I mean, in uh, that was the big thing. I remember my folks taking me to a fish hatchery, and at that time they had a little dispenser, like a candy dispenser, where you'd drop in a nickel and you could turn a little dial and you'd get some fish feed in your hand. You know, yep. so you could throw fish you know fish feed to these fish and that's what you kind of attribute a fish hatchery to and and there's just so many other moving parts associated to a hatchery that right you just wouldn't think of until you really were in in the midst of it mm -hmm. there's a lot more math than you than you realize i couldn't do it then. <laughs> i'm out <laughs> there yeah there's lots of lots of math um you know we really um we ask a lot of our technicians we you know, they are always changing oil in trucks. They're trying to troubleshoot problems that come about. And this is a, it's an ongoing occurrence. It's, but again, it's very, very gratifying for our folks. They love doing what they do. And um, it's just a, it's a great career. It's cool. It's really cool to hear about that way of yep. living. And I mean, it's a way of living, really. Yeah. It, well, it is. It is. It's you, You're there all the time. It's all you think about. And you're doing everything from Excel spreadsheets to basically cleaning up fish poop mm -hmm. and everything in between. <laughs> it is a way of life. It is. I mean, you live it. You yep. absolutely live it because you are there. Um, you don't get away from it. I mm -hmm. mean, when I and I had a young family, I had a couple of kids and they grew up there and um they grew up there knowing about fishing and hunting because, you know, when you're typically living in a, on a facility such as that, you're usually out in the middle of nowhere. Most hatcheries, most fish hatcheries. You're supposed to say middle of everywhere. Yeah, middle, middle of everywhere. everywhere. Yeah. There you yeah. go. <laughs> but most right. hatcheries are in that kind of environment. So it's not in the middle of a city typically. It's yeah. just it doesn't work because of the water situation yeah. and whatnot. So it's a lifestyle. It's a it completely really different is. lifestyle. It's funny with you, too, because I think you said um, York, you have two sons, right? Correct. And you said one was like, peace out to the city. <laughs> and then the other one just loves that way of life now. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, uh, they're 180 degree opposites. Um, one, uh, They both grew up hunting and fishing, riding motorcycles and, and doing what, you know, kids would, you know, I think love to do i don't think a lot yeah. of kids yeah. anymore have that opportunity but they had that and they loved doing it but one of them now basically lives smack dab in the middle of a city and and <laughs> thinks that's just the best way to go and the <laughs> other one actually works for the department out in the middle of really I out in the middle of nowhere i <laughs> could totally see that you being one way or the other i think if i was raised that way i'd be with the sun in the city <laughs> 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 i'm like out of here yeah but yeah, very cool stuff. We're going to switch gears a little bit. And um, I just wanted to talk about, so how long have we actually used Gallagher? Or didn't we sure. stop spawning there for a while? Yeah, actually Gallagher um, had um, raised brood for a lot of years. Um, uh, up until 2000, probably five, I believe, is when they kind of phased it out. Um, at that time, um, the the hatchery itself was going to go through a, a major re refurbishment. Um, we spent a lot of money um, doing the refurbishment on this facility. 
Um, we changed, basically made new raceways, um, and made just a whole ton of big, big you know, improvements. Um, improvements. Yeah. I mean, major, major improvements to the facility. Um, and at that time, we figured, you know what, we could probably get these eggs from outside sources, um, it, which we did. Um, the problem that we really started finding, though, those outside sources, it was getting harder and harder to get the eggs in a timely fashion that we were looking for. It was hard to find clean eggs. And when I say clean, I mean disease-free. And um, it's just, again, Nevada is fairly small, so our egg numbers that we were getting from some of these other sources were fairly minuscule compared to what they're sending to other states. So we kind of got, we got put on the bottom of the ladder right. there. So we figured, you know what, it, we've got the facility still out there. We've got the brood canopy out there. We might as well go ahead and fire this thing back up. Um, it is a little bit expensive because when you're feeding fish to five-year-olds, it, it's it gets to be expensive. Um, they have they take a certain diet, um, high in proteins and whatnot, um, and you're just obviously having to feed quite a bit more to a larger fish. Right. So it is it is a little bit more expensive when it comes to fish feed, um, but I think we we make up for that by getting the eggs that we need, the clean eggs that we need, in the time that we do need them at. Gotcha. So we did bring that back in um, again, like I say, after the refurbishment. Um, we probably went, I guess, probably around 10 years probably of not having that brood facility. And then um, we, I believe we fired that thing back up about 2012, 13. So we're now here just, yep, yeah, and here we are, and we're starting to really Fully see. Fully operational now. And absolutely. Yeah. We're seeing the benefits to it. Um, we see the eggs that we want to see. Um, and we're helping ourselves be a little bit more self-sufficient here. Right. We Relieve do the strain and the... Absolutely. You know, and I have to say, I'll, I'll give it out to our federal um, hatcheries that we still get eggs from, particularly NS Hatchery. We do get eggs from um, the state of Utah. Uh, we get eggs from the state of Wyoming. Um, so we all work together in, you know, in collaboration to help one another and because we're all in this thing together we're all basically we're all we're all fish fish geeks <laughs> <laughs> exactly yeah and we've talked about that in in podcasts in the past just the the coordination and the the support we get from other states is awesome absolutely and unfortunately, we're out of time already. Wow. All right. <laughs> we well, could have kept talking about I it. I appreciate all the, the time given to us. Uh, again, like I say, I love to talk about our program. I think it's just an amazing program. We do great things for the state, and we're willing to do this forever. And we'll <laughs> get you back in here, I'm sure, to talk about this again. So Absolutely. Thanks again, and thank you, everyone, for listening. That does it for this week's Nevada Wild. Join us again next week for our next adventure, Nevada Wild. It's a production of the Nevada Department of Wildlife. <laughs> <laughs>